You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. No, I, I, before I get into the sources tonight, I do want to say that I think there is a fundamental machlokas between the Rambam and the Ramban about how we view miracle in general. Uh, the Ramban throughout the Torah which was the last work that he wrote, really, you know, as I said, it's the ultimate, so it's almost like his goodbye work. It's funny because most people, that's the only work that they know from the Ramban is, the, is his parish on the Torah. Everything else is sort of icing on the cake. But in, it, you have to realize that for, for the Ramban, this was the last work he wrote before he died. And it was really after a whole lifetime of becoming who he was and, and developing. So that's important. It's important to, to know that. But in this work, the Parish on Chumash, many times he talks about the idea of what miracle is and how miracle is part of life and how miracle and Teva work together um, and how many aspects of nature are actually miraculous and many things of a person living and, and resisting disease are miraculous. That sheet of the Ramban about miracle, which I'm not going to go with all the sources tonight, we, we will have time as hopefully this course develops, this year develops, to see where the Ramban speaks about Nisim. But I, I want to say there is a very wide divide between the Ramban and the Rambam as to how we're supposed to grasp the idea of miraculous things. And I think it's it's really stronger than what I'm just saying. The Ramban actually doesn't even believe in what we would call the power of nature or Teva or anything like that. Um, the Rambam and the people who followed behind the Rambam, we're going to see one of them tonight. Uh, we're going to see someone who out-Rambams the Rambam. That's going to be the Raubag. Levi uh, Ben Gershon, also known as Gersonides um, by some people. Um, the Raubag. And... Um, the um, yeah no although actually in relation to the Triangle K by the way just in case you want to know Rabbi Ralbag from the Triangle K is actually uh, a descendant of the great Ralbag himself but what's interesting is the Ralbag who we're going to be talking about and I am going to get to him was actually a grandchild seemingly of the Ramban and yet in many ways he uh, out rationalizes the Ramban. And that's really what I want to really speak about tonight, about that radical opinion. However, we will be speaking about this divide between miracle and non-miracle in the weeks to come and maybe, you know, beyond, which is, and that in some way explains the machlokas between the Rambam and the Ramban. However, in if we if one would want to deal with the two shittas, which is, according to the Rambam, human beings were meant to live. Now, that's another question. Was anybody meant to live forever? Does the Rambam believe that people, it's true, you know, the Rambam says they were unique, but was mankind meant to only live 70, 80, or as Charlene, we're talking about last week, maybe 120 at the top, or was man supposed to live longer than that? Um, we know the Rambam says these people were special for whatever reason. Um, what was the purpose, though? Uh, in other words, uh, 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 and, and really the question I'm, I'm leading to, are we going to go back to a situation where men will live that long? Well, according to you know the Rambam, 
it would seem there'd be no, we don't need to, right? That was something that was necessary at the time. And yet, I just want to start tonight with the Pasuk in Yeshayahu, Samachay. And you can see what it is, you can see. We start with the Pasuk in Yeshayahu, Samachay. You can see it up here on the screen. Uh, God is saying to the Bali Avera, you're going to be hungry, um, that um, that uh, you're going to be ashamed, my, my servants are going to rejoice. And you can see that uh, the servants are going to be, in other words, people who are not even Hashem are going to be dismissed. But he who blesses himself in the earth, the ones who are going to be blessed in the earth. And um, without getting into too much detail here, most of the Mepharshim learned that this was a Navu of Yeshaya that was really never fulfilled and is really about the future, about the future times of Mashiach. And that's what the Radak says. We're going to talk about the Radak a lot tonight as well. A new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be something new in the future. And, and you can see uh, there's going to be just happiness and joy in Yerushalayim. We're not going to hear, like we never hear today, it's going to be and this is the, this is the clincher. Lo od there shall be no more, let's get the words here, an infant of days nor an old man that didn't fill his days. Okay, what does that mean? The youngest shall die a hundred years old. Now, the simple pshat and the pasuk. There's going to be other ways to learn, but the simple pshat is is that in those days, if a person dies when he's a hundred, they're going to say nebuch. Look how young he was. And if a person dies at a hundred, they're going to say, eh, "You should die at a hundred. You should die young." Now that sounds like b'yemaisa Mashiach. We're going to go back to a different state of life. So. The Rambam's position, I think, is very much under assault, if this is true. Uh, again, if the point is the world didn't change, well, if the world's going to change, then why couldn't it have changed? If there will be a new world coming, then why can't that just be the old world? Part of the Rambam's argument against that, that, he, that he refuses to accept this idea is because you can't say that the world changed. We saw that, again, how do I know that's what the Rambam means? Well, you can see from the way he writes, we saw the Ritvo last week defending him in this manner, that this is the philosophical way of looking at things. Well, what do you do with these psukim? Now, some of you might be saying, well, maybe the Rambam doesn't learn these psukim as actual. Good point, if anybody was thinking that. Maybe Bob or somebody... Uh, I don't know, I don't see your faces here, but I can if I want. Maybe some of you guys were thinking that, that the Rambam does not look at these verses as literal. In fact, 
maybe, and we'll talk about that. But let's take a look at the next Pasik. Okay, we're going to build normal houses. We're not going to be supermen. We're going to have Kramim, Vachlopiriyam. But you know what? The house we build is what's going to happen. You're going you're gonna to be along. So you ain't moving out of your house. It's not like, oh, you know what? I got to go to Florida because this house is too big for me. Or you never, the person passes away. We're going to be like trees. Which means we're going to be, what does it mean? My intellectual, that's not really, that's not a good interpretation. Normally you build a house. For example, the house I'm speaking to you now. Some of you have been here. Um, uh, Sheila's been here. Moshe's been here. Hopefully all of you will be here one day. But I built this house. I mean, I guess I built it. I, it was zero when I got here. And yet, you know, <laughs> I think about, well, I'll be gone and someone else will be living here. That's not going to be the case. What the Pasuk is saying, they're going to outlive what they make. In other words, they're going to build these houses of brick that are supposed to last hundreds of years, and they're going to outlive them. We're not talking about making them out of Lego. The difference is that you have a mortgage. They didn't have mortgage. <laughs> but the yeah, but you know what? The, 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 it's, it's not even going to make. You're right. Over here, when I think about refinancing Moshe, you know, they tell me, okay, in 2042, what is it? 2042, I'm going to be paid up in my house. You know, I'm going to be 82 years old when I'm paid up. You know, so there, yeah, okay, that's going to be fine. I'll out, I'll outlive it. Um, so these these can say that men, people are going to live long and they're going to outlive their homes that they make, um, and therefore they don't feel like they which we say every single day in in in, in right? Because right um, now it could be that's only going to be the Jews, possibly but it sounds like. If this is a description of the Yemosa Mashiach, it sounds like we're going to go back to living, I don't know, forever, but we're going to be living, uh, death will happen. It's not going to be like Adam Arishon Mamish. Well, let's talk about that too, which is again also on the table now. But they're going to live well very, very long. Now, and we're not even going to, again, we're, going to not, we're not going to even have to daven. Hashem's going to know what we want. Now, here's the Pusik that you can say, ah, that whole thing is a metaphor, right? The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. Uh, the, now, this is not the Pusik in, in Perak Yidalaf, but it's a very similar one in Tevin. And look, the Nochash goes back to eating, to, right? The Nochash offer Lachmo. So you could say, everyone, that uh, this Pasek, tells you that this whole thing is a metaphor. I don't know. Why should it... Again, was, in, in, if, if we're going back similar to Adam Arishon, in a way, maybe wolf and, you know, the wolf and the sheep were good friends, right? And maybe the lion wasn't uh, a carnivore. So, 
this these psukim I think need to be put on the table right away. Do these back the Ramban? Simple pshat, yes. Right? In simple pshat, these psukim back the Ramban. Rabbi Kivalevitz? Yes, what do you think, Jack? Well, I mean, I just want to, I mean, the Rambam specifically addresses this question about the wolf and the lamb and so on and says, you know, in the last chapter of... uh, Right, that's true. And he says it's 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 that's symbolic. It's not. It, it's not. I, right. I understand. So are we we're going to have to, and and I sort of suggested that Jack and I know that he he views this pasuk not to be, and and let's let's say it better, Jack. Not symbolic. It's actually an allegory, right? It's 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 it's. In other words, and and, and this is really gets into the topic of tonight: symbols versus allegory. What's really the difference? Now, a symbol would mean, um, let's say I would tell um, a story in the future. Um, and uh, I don't know, maybe the story of a, um, a real estate man who, had a, who, had a, who was a, um, a reality TV show host who amazingly um, becomes president. And then goes through stormy four years when and things are going on and then um you know he gets booted out of office uh because the people revolt and they can't stand anything he has to say okay so that's the story and that story let's say people will be telling that story years from now about people who get put into the and again i'm not saying i want biden to win or trump to win but let's just say i i tell that story and let's say in 20, 30 years, people tell that story. And let's say in 100 years, people tell that story. And it doesn't become just the story of history. It becomes the story of a person perhaps not ready for the job, or I don't know, or a person, whatever you want to say. Now, I'm not getting ultra political here. It just comes to mind that if I would be, if, if, if Trump loses and his story becomes a story, then people might use that story 100 years from now as a symbol, and they might tell the story, and they would say, yeah, I want, I want you to hear this story. Now, the story happened, it's true, but it's supposed to teach you a lesson. So Trump is the symbol, perhaps, of every person who is uh, who gets put into a situation that's over his head. Maybe Trump is a great man, I don't know. You might love Trump, maybe you want to vote for him. Maybe you think he's the greatest. But let's say he loses, and let's say 100 years from now, people still tell the story of 2016 to 2020. So Trump will have been a real person, but the story will have been a symbol for something else. And in fact, people might, in fact, read into the story other things. They might actually take this real historical person and read into it. And through, as the story builds, let's say, 100, 150 years from now, every aspect of it is meant to symbolize something. So it's true. Trump did have a a hotel. But people say, well, you know what that hotel symbolizes? Because as the story grows and people add to it, it's going to symbolize different things for people. So that's called a symbolic, uh, it, it, it was true. But the people who told the story over, told it over in a certain way in order for the character to be symbolic of something, all right? Whether it's greed, whether it's avarice, whether it's whatever 
aspect that it is. And I don't mean to insult anybody if you're planning on voting for Trump. My point is you, that's, that, that could be a, a, a story. It could be any story. Maybe you want to tell us, you could take the story of Nixon and do the same thing. You can take the story of, of anyone. It actually happened, but as it becomes developed, it becomes more than the actual historical event. It becomes a symbol of something. Now, an allegory, on the other hand, is something that actually the, the literal words are not true. Well, they're meant to clothe something else. So Jack is telling me that the Rambam looks at the word zevetele not as uh, a lamb and a, and a wolf, right? right? But actually, nations that were aggressors and pacifists that usually would, would war with each other in that period, they will actually be peace, right? Or enemies will be friends. So the word for the, a, a wolf doesn't really mean a wolf because in, because in the future there won't be wolves and sheep frolicking together because the, the teva of, of nature doesn't change. Jack, you see, that would be a, that would, that's, that would make these psukim symbolic. They don't re- I'm sorry, allegorical. They don't mean, they, the, the words are couched in a way to mean something else, right? So that would, in, in, in the story, that would be, you know, for example, what's an example of a, uh, a, a, a of a symbolic story? And again, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for being so not Jewish tonight. But there are many people that love C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, right? You know what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, again, there are people that are going to be listening to this afterwards. I hate that story, and I didn't like my kids listening to it. Um, I didn't even think it was great fantasy. But we all know that in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there is uh, a character, uh, Aslan, right? Who's, who saves everybody, right? Who is Jesus, right? So this is a, this is a, 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 the whole book is an allegory to the idea of Christian salvation. And every character represents something else. The little girl, the boy who becomes evil represents Odomarishon, represents all mankind, and, 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 the, and the witch represents the power of the, uh, of the evil impulses, whatever it is, original sin, right? That, well, that is, yes. Could we take this uh, symbolic Zev and Tale and say Israel is making peace with all the Zevs that are around him? Yeah, you could, you could say this, the Tale is Israel. You could say that. But that means it's not literal, Moshe. That means it's there. Don't think yeah, of that... of course. It's only it's, symbolic. It's, yeah. So all it is, is, and I'm just giving you examples of allegory. It's not even symbolic. It's just allegorical. You're right. It's, 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 it's more than a symbol. A, a symbol is something that you become a symbol. Willie Mays is a symbol that that you can make it, right? You can come from the Negro Leagues and become the greatest player uh, of all time, right? Let's say. He's a symbol, right? Jackie Robinson is a symbol of what a person could achieve. You know, that's what people used to say, that he's a symbol, right? He, of course, exists, but he's a symbol of what it means to be able to struggle to become something, right? And he becomes bigger than life. This is an allegory. So are we ready, uh, Jack, we'd have to be ready to uh, uh, embrace 
that the psukim of Yemosa Mashiach are allegorical in nature. And for some reason, they're, they're not straightforward, they're not symbolic, but they, they don't even mean what they say. And therefore, when it says about a person living a hundred years, right, Jack, it's going to have to be something allegorical. Doesn't mean that you really live to be, doesn't mean you live to be a thousand years old. Doesn't mean, right? It means, I don't know. <laughs> again, it, 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 is, 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 is it, it's, it's, again, this is not a guzma, that you're looking at. According to the Rambam, it's an allegory, right? When it says that a, uh, when a young per, when a person dies at a hundred, they're going to say, "Oh boy, that was a young person that died." We're going to have to work hard to figure out what the allegory is. I, I can look at Pasuk Chafei and explain the allegory. I don't know if I can explain the allegory here. On the, I'm going to show you the pasuk again. So maybe Anar is not a person. Maybe, again, you're going to have to work hard to explain this. I don't have a ready interpretation, but I'm sure inventive minds can. All I'm saying is that when we'd rather not read our psukim as allegorical, right? Because allegory is really tough. And, and I think... The other thing I want I want to stress here is that if allegory is true, then allegory can actually be taken backwards as well. In other words, if the psukim, hear my point. If if it's true that the description of Yemosa Mashiach is not literal, it's not symbolic, it's allegorical. Then you realize that you can actually look at the stories in Veracious as allegorical as well. Now, there's a difference because one is Nevi'im and one is the Torah. But if but but you can see that it isn't such a jump to be able to say that maybe the ideas of Adam living forever, right? The idea of, which is what w- w- the Torah does write that, right? The Torah says that he will eat from the Eitzachayim and other things in the story of Adam and Chava and the Nochosh, there was a whole um, approach in Judaism that I think was, in a way, you know, they inspired by the Rambam, that learned the whole story, and I'm going to show you a little bit of it, of Beratius as allegorical, meaning that Adam and Chava are allegories to represent the body, the soul, Chomer, Tzura, and the Nochash represents something different as well. That the Nochash doesn't really wasn't doesn't really mean a snake, doesn't mean a serpent. I'm going to show you a little bit from the Rabag the way he understands it. So, and Rabbi Kipulovich, yes, um, let, let me just ask you. Okay, I have seen some things inside the. Rambam, where he says that you need to interpret a particular midrash um, allegorically, does he actually say you read the Torah allegorically, or is that just what you're saying that the somebody like uh, 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 the Ralbag does? Okay, so I'm actually going to show you tonight where the Rambam actually 
does seem to learn the Torah allegorically. Now, I'm going to show you in Mar Nebuchim where he says that. Okay? So, uh, and, and he says it, Bob, in a very oblique way. And he does it in a way that uh, you, have to, you, you have to have eagle eyes and, 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 I don't know, dog ears, I guess, to be able to hear it. You have to be, to be able to discern it. But if you look in the Mar Nebuchim, um, honestly, you will see the parts I'm going to show you tonight that the Rambam does imply it to be allegoric in some aspect. That there are aspects of the beginning of creation, especially the first th- three prokim, until we get to Cain and Hevel, and even there, it's pushing it, but it's clear to me that the Rambam saw aspects of the first three prokim of Bereshus as allegory. And um, I'm not saying the whole story is allegorical, but there is an, there is a chunk of allegory in there. And that is something that the Ramban rejects. So I've said two things tonight. Let, 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 me, let me just reiterate. The first thing I said tonight was there is an essential debate between the Ramban and the Rambam about what is miracle and what isn't. The idea of rejecting you know, too much miracle or too much of a change or the fact that the world can't be so different then than it is now because that would imply a change of quote-unquote teva. There's already a fault line between the Ramban and the Rambam right there because the Ramban does not have a sense that the world of teva is this thing that God put into the world and it, and it works like ironclad and then sometimes God comes and changes things with a hammer and, and, and the way the Rambam explains all those things were actually put into the computer that's the way the Rambam and, 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 and as you know Jack you're nodding in this parish in, in, of Avo says that all the miracles that are supposed to happen that's sort of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, like uh, planned it, I don't know, uh, he uploaded it into the machine to work at a certain time. That's the Rambam's interpretation of the 10 things that were created right? That's the way he views, which again is symbolic or metaphor, actually not symbolic language, but it's sort of like a, a hinted language to, these are where all the miracles get put in. There's nature, the first seven days, plus there's things in between Shabbos, that's the period, means those are where those are those things that God knows will happen that are going to be like the Osons talking and Korach, uh, the, the earth opening up and swallowing the people of Korach. All of that is 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 out of bounds stuff that God uh, planted into the world from beforehand. That is the Rambam's opinion in, 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 in Perkeovos. I have no reason to think that he changed over the years. Okay? The Ramba the Ramban is clearly on a different side there, okay? He's clearly on a different side there. He clearly believes that it's, we call it Teva, but it's all really miracle, and it's just gradations of miracle. And I'll show you this at a different time. We'll talk about it more at length. That's one difference between them, and I think that's one of the reasons why the Ramban has no problem with this gradual change. He doesn't say, oh, the way the world is, 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 is Teva. How could you say Teva changed? Okay. He doesn't have that problem. The second difference is that the Ramban's approach 
although it has its difficulties, does not do as much damage to the simple pshat and the psukim as the Rambam. The Ramban's approach, you don't understand how it happens, you don't understand how people could live to be a thousand? Hey, that's all about God's will and the way human beings, what God wants. And therefore, he has the the simple pshat of the psukim and even the drash and chazal more in his pocket than the Rambam does. Okay? Because he is does he never has to never has to rely on allegory. There's not one pusik in all Tanakh that he needs to view allegorically. And he can look at this pusik, the one that we were showing you from Yeshaya, as literal. Yeah. The the the, the lion is going to be different, the lambs are going to be different, you know, every right, yeah, they're all going to be different. All right, so that's in terms of the general. And now I want to go into, I want to do some reading of text inside with you, okay? So, can I ask you a question? Yes, go ahead, Jack. So, like, for instance, when Rabbi Soloveitchik has Adam 1 and Adam 2, right? Okay. This is an analysis of, of the first two documents, or parts of the first document of Rachel. Is that symbolic? Is that allegorical? What is that? Okay, so that is that is a more of an allegory, yes. Uh, that is allegorical drush. That's what it is. Okay. And 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 Salvechik is not Salvechik is not the only one who engaged in it. Now y- you have to remember, you know, we live in a world and <laughs> where Rav Salvechik, you know, is 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 like standing toe to toe with everybody, right? Because you know we still have so many of his students. He was a darshan. You know, and again, it's a beautiful drush, and it's very uplifting, and it's very, it's consequential to see it. But ultimately, it's, it, it's drush. It's, it's sophisticated drush. It's drush for the, 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 the again, and I, I don't mean to put you down for embracing it. I like it too. But, you know, it's effective, and it's meant to be effective. But, Ultimately, I would call it uh, allegorical drush that just shows you that, uh, you know, there's room to do it. <laughs> and and still, if somebody besides the Rav would have said it, I'm not sure. You know what I'm saying? You know, he had a lot of cred going into it, right? Shia Leibowitz would have said it. We would we would have brand him. It would say Viter and Apikoyus. Okay? <laughs> All right. So, let's go on. Um. Now, I want to show you what we have here on the board. And I don't want to go over time, so I really want to start moving quickly on this. Just to review, according to the Ramban, um, even though Adamarishon sinned, Beteva, he, should have, he would live a long time because he was my Yorab Shavakarish Baruch. Okay. Now, the Ramban deals with another issue, which I which I hinted at. What about before the Chet? Was he supposed to live forever? Okay, so the Ramban actually deals with this. I want to show you earlier in Bereshis. So, um, the Pasuk says that when the Pasuk says that when uh, from, when Adam eats from the Eitzadas, Biyom Achalchamimenu Mostamus. Now, 
he did not die the day he ate from it, right? He lives, according to Chazal, another 930 years. So the Ramban is always bothered by the simple pshat first. It means you're going to be a ben mothis. doesn't mean you're going to die that day. And the Ramban brilliantly connects this to Shimi. Shimi was one of the people that was put under house arrest, super quarantine. And he was told by Shlomo Melch that if he leaves his, his villa in Yerushalayim, he's, he, he's going to die. And that's what it says. You want to leave your, your house in Yerushalayim? You do a tzedek. Now, Shlomo didn't mean that he would, that right away, the, the, the assassin's arrow would kill him. Doesn't mean he's going to die that day. It means you need to know, you do a teda, that you're going to die. Now, it doesn't mean that you know that eventually you're going to die. Every one of us, well, especially since the chet, knows that we're going to all die. But you're going to know, when you do the Aveira, Shimi, you're going to know that you are now a walking dead man, and you can die at any minute. And whenever he wants, he's going to come and kill you. You've lost the schus to live out your natural days because the king is going to kill you. Similarly, it talks about dying in the Torah, most Talmuds. The Ramban, again, brilliantly starts off with this great raya from Tanakh, and then he anchors it further with all the cases where people die misibidei shamayim. For example, uh, uh, if the Levium looked at the Aron as they were packing it up, right? Um, right now, it doesn't mean they're going to die right away. Uh, may, right, it means they will die eventually because of what occurred, and that's what will happen here. Now, okay, so Adam does not die. Now the Ramban quotes Anshe Hateva. Now let's think about this for a minute. These Anshe Hateva believe in the story of Adam and Chava. Who are these Anshe Hateva? These referring to. I don't know. I, 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 the edition that I have, the Moisir of Cook edition, doesn't uh, ascribe this to anyone. But Kivalevich is going to tell you that the Ramban is referring to many philosophical-minded Jews who learned up the Torah, maybe even including the Rambam, but I'm not sure. But let's take a look. Right? Man was meant to die. Man has to die. The idea that Adam was going to live forever is not true. The idea that that humankind can live forever cannot be true. Because man is made up of different parts. He's Murkov. If I have to take certain parts to create you, to make your body, then that's, they're going to fall apart. This is a philosophical truth. Right? The things that I took, I, I took all these things together, right? And now I blew your anashama into you. Well, your body can't last forever, right? Those things are going to fall apart. Anything which is, anything which is built out of parts is going to die. Now, So, basically, what did it mean then? It meant is, you're going to die before your time. For the same way, and the Ramban again quotes, you're Chayiv Misa, if you eat Shruma, if you're a Zor, if, you, if you're a Kohen, you go in the Beis Hamikdash, you Yayim, right? You're not going to die immediately, but it means you're going to have Xeris Misa before you should die. 
another proof to the philosophical way of looking at things, and I'm going to sort of whisper here, I think it's the Rambam as well, but let's go on, is the Pasuk that says, when Adam gets uh, his, his own ish, what does it say? You're going to work hard, and you're going to have to till the day you go back to the earth. Well, that, according to this, isn't part of the Chet. In other words, the Onesh on the Chet is no more free lunches. You're going to have to work. And you have to work and work and work till you die, because of course you're going to die. So this Pusik here um, that the Ramban is quoting, is understood by the philosophical wing of Judaism to mean, yeah, of course you're going to die, but instead of having it easy till you die, you're going to work hard because you got to go back to dust because that's what you are. You are dust. You're made out of dust, right? What did Kansas say? All we are is dust in the wind, right? So therefore, betivach, that's your teva, that's who you are, and that didn't change. The chet didn't change that. I'm sorry, the chet the chet meant that you're going to die. Uh, well, you're definitely, well, what it means is, is that, is that uh, you, you, I can kill you before your time. And you're going to work really hard. Now, um, okay. It's another proof philosophers bring is what's keeping them, what's keeping you alive. All right. What is keeping human beings alive? Okay. First of all, he's created from all these different aspects. So if he's created from these different aspects, then if he's created from these different aspects, then he's going to have to die. Why is he going to have to die? Because everything falls apart. Okay. Also, what keeps him alive? Well, keeps him alive is food. And that's also stuff that comes from the ground, which also falls apart. The same way stuff rots, the food will rot. So you can't live forever if the food you're eating is is the type of thing that rots. If it rots, that means that you're going to rot, because that's what you're putting into your system. Okay, this again is, a, is a, again, this is a, 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 a medieval argument, that if what keeps you alive is pieces of stuff, then there's no way you can live forever with it. Okay. That is philosophy. Now the Rambam, Rambam says, the Chazal disagree. Rabbi Seinu disagree. Because they say, and I couldn't find the exact Lushan of Chazal. You guys can maybe find it on Shabbos, Tafnunay. I'm not sure. I didn't see the exact language. But we know this is the, uh, the idea of Chazal. That Shulmolei Chota Why? What about the fact that you come from Ufar? What about the fact that you eat all this grass and you eat all these other grains and stuff? Because you have a neshama. A neshama keeps you alive forever. A neshama isn't just something that allows you to think philosophically like the Ramban, like the Rambam says. Let me tell you what the Rambam says. I, 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 it, it's not going to be one of the things on the chart. Rambam says, what does it mean he's going to live forever? After his, he will become an actualized human being. 
man becomes actualized if he if he fulfills his potential and he's able to understand the nature of everything and he's able to bond with God with the active intellect with the seichel apoel and you'll live forever not here but your 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 seichel will live forever it'll become part of the world of ideas that is is immutable and lives forever that is the way the Ralbag and other philosophical uh, people approach the idea of where it says that man can live forever if he eats from the Eitz HaChayim. The Ramban disagrees. The Ramban says, you can, again, at least originally, Adam would have lived forever because he has a neshama. Not because his neshama allows him to think philosophically and understand the world, and once he says goodbye, body, and you live forever with God, because you've now you become unified with the the philosophical um, power of everything, because now you understand things in the universal sense, and you are a universal thing. You're not even the body that you were. You're not that limited, finite body. Your mind has allowed you to expand into this great everything. That is the that is the Rambam's version of eternal life, and 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 again the Ramban rejects that. The Ramban says you've got an neshama somehow contained within your body that would also allow you to have eternal life. Now, what? How can that work though? It's in a body, and the body is made out of who knows what the material that's supposed to fall apart. The same will of God that was there to start creation out of nothing, wants your neshama to be in your body. It'll keep it there. That is the way it was meant to be. It was meant to be that you could have again. many of these things are very simple and when we hear it. And, and that's a testament. People say, what's Kivalevich going on about? I know all this. Yeah, you know it because the Ramban won. <laughs> You know it because the Ramban and the others pushed this steamroll this, this, through. This is about the Ramban versus the Ramban. And I'm going to tell you that had there not been the Ramban and others, you might not have woken up and said, of course man would have lived forever. Yeah, we could go back and live forever because of the Neshama. No, that is something that was, if the philosophical movement would have would have been the ultimate movement, Maybe that's still what Nathan Slifkin believes. I, I wouldn't be surprised. He's got rationalist Judaism. He's got his block. I'm not against him. Uh, he believes he, he's a Rambam mensch. Well, according to him, man would have died. And maybe everybody's going to die. But the idea that the neshama keeps you alive forever, that's all part of the creation of the world. That's what God wants. God does this fantastic miracle the ultimate miracle, Asher Asos, the Nisham and the Goof, and the Goof lives and is elevated and is changed and becomes Elokus through the Nishama. We've talked about it in previous classes, but we haven't anchored it in these Psukim. Now, what about the fact Herkava, Herkava More Alhi Alahefrad? If something is made up of different parts and that's the way you make it, of course it has to fall apart. That's one of the that's one of the laws of nature. You know who thinks that the Ramban says? The Katni Yamuna. Because they basically think that creation, there was no choice in creation. Now, 
Of course, here the Rambam would say, hold on, mister. I don't believe that. Uh, uh, my whole idea is that Bria is Yeshmiyai, it's Ratzon Hashem. So here I believe he's going towards people who have, and he, of course, again, we'll talk about his relationship with the Rambam at a different time, but he here is referring to the whole cult that Yehuda Levi was referring to as well, that he wrote the Kozri, the whole philosophic movement within Judaism. He says, they are Katne Amuna. And really, it's almost to them like creation has to happen. If you are part of the Anche Amuna, then you know that the world was created, so so God can keep it around as long as he wants. And here the Ramban emphasizes, and you didn't need my underlining to say that, this is the ultimate truth. This is obviously clearly true. Okay, so what does it mean then you're going to die? It means... I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse my chayfets. Lo tiskayim laad b'chefzi. You're not gonna last forever, the way I want it. That's what it means. I'm taking my chayfets away. Vachila hoyselo mitchila laonig. And originally, of course, I'm not sure what he meant by this. This is a little bit of a of a of a cryptic statement in the Ramban. Eating originally was complete onig. Now it changed. Now the Ramban sort of does a little bit of a tap, a little bit of a waltz backwards. Again, is it all God's will that he wants you to live forever? So here he now, the Ramban now explains the mechanism how Adam would have lived forever. It could be, we know, Chazal tell us about the Mun that the man was not something that they uh, exuded, right? It wasn't like regular food that breaks apart and it has uh, aspects that need to be expunged from the system. The man was miraculous food, right? It sort of like gets absorbed into your body and it doesn't go anywhere. So it could be, as we know, Chazal tells us about the man, maybe that's the way the, the fruits of the Garden of Eden were the same way. And but now that man leaves the Garden of Eden, now it's regular food. In other words, there was something magical, so to speak, about Ganadin's fruits. Now that doesn't mean it was all God's will to make them that way, but that's the mechanism that that, that affected God's will was eating from the, the, the Peros in in Ganadin. Now that there's no Ganadin to eat from. So basically, this is the way God's God. This is the way God orchestrates th- His will. So, what? Don't read this this Yitochen as a reversal. This is more a mechanical explanation. Okay. That is now uh, the Ramban. Okay. Um, I want to introduce you to the. If it wouldn't be for the Ramban. Before you do that, can I just ask you about this? Um, Go ahead. With the Ramban, I thought he said that, I thought he was the one who said you wouldn't ever live forever because the parts will will break down. No, is no, it, no. This that is was the Ramban? The Ramban was quoting the Anshe, 
what does he call them? The Anshe Ateva. He calls them the, the, let's get the words again. Uh, Anshe Ateva. It's literally natural philosophers. Right. But, Bob, the natural philosophers didn't believe in the story of creation. You know what I'm saying? They they didn't believe there was that we all came from this one Adam. They didn't have the whole story of Gan Eden, right? We're not talking about people who didn't have the Torah. Do you agree with me on that? He's talking about Jews. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. In fact, I think the very word allegorical relates to the vice president uh, who didn't, you know, he believes everything is uh, according to climate change. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Look, I, possibly, Bob, I, you know, like I say, I, I don't try, I, I, I'm only political because it's easy. It's an easy, med, it's easy muscle to grab onto. Okay. I so want to, so to go back. So the, the Rambam says you cannot, no, you would never have lived forever. Man, man would never have lived forever. Is that correct? I, I don't know if he ever writes that anywhere, but I think that's what he believes, yes. So then what does it mean, the Eitzachayim? What does that mean? What does the Eitzachayim do? Why did Hashem remove it from Gan Eden, or why did he remove Adam and Chava from, from Gan Eden because of the Eitzachayim? Because the Eitzachayim doesn't mean a magical fruit that you live forever with. That's not what it means. Eitzachayim is, 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 a me, is an allegory about how you need to live your life to become an eventual uh, human being after you die, and your 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 soul is bound up uh, with God. It doesn't mean uh, this isn't a st- okay. Now that 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 is the answer. Okay. Okay. Now, all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna prove that to you in a couple minutes, or maybe next week. I don't want to go over. So too long. Okay, um, Radak. Okay, the two I, I mentioned the Rambam uh, a little while ago. The Radak was actually a predecessor of uh, of the Ramban, and um, if it wouldn't be for the Ramban, this and, and unfortunately he didn't finish his parish. Maybe he did. We don't have it. We know when it comes to Neviim and Suvim, anyone out there. And we have still a number of people here, Baruch Hashem, listening, can tell you Radak is the first place they look. Rashi, as we know, in Nevi'im and Ksuvim, uh, Kivalevich harbors a, a feeling that if it's Rashi, it's not done. It, somehow it was Rashi who didn't get to finish the job. Because Nevi'im and Ksuvim's Rashi's are, are, are so paltry and are, are so don't, they don't even, it's not even in the same ballpark as Rashi and Chumash, right? Who is it that, that is, is, is the main man in, in the Vim and Suvim is the Radak, all right? The Radak began a parish that we have on Beratius. We don't have the rest. It's my contention that had there been a complete parish of the Radak, the Ramban would not have been have filled the vacuum the way he did, right? I always say, if you're on a desert island and there's only one commentary on Chumash you could take with you, it's got to be the Ramban. The Ramban does enough to satisfy, okay? You're going to get most of your Rashis, you're going to get your obscure Ebenezer, right? And and you're also going to understand 
the world and God. But had, if the Radak would have been, had, he, had we had it, the Radak would have been the, the great competition for the Ramban. Um, the, the Radak lived in Provence. What's very unusual, and again, I'm, I don't want to bore you with history, is that in so many places, the Ramban is clearly influenced by the Radak. But he only mentions him by name twice. Um, and and, and Rab Shavel, uh, in his Hakdama to his parish, the Ramban's parish on Eov, says that it was based on the fact that the Radak, although he himself was not part of that movement, the Radak was connected in, in many ways to um, a very strong philosophic um, uh, approach that uh, that that sort of morphed into anti-Torah and mitzvahs in some way, or to view Torah and mitzvahs. Right now, the Radak was not didn't believe in that, but Chevelle speculates that the Ramban didn't want to give him any cred, even though he clearly was influenced by him. Um, so this is Rabdovid Kimchi from Provence, approximately. Um, about 65 years before the Ramban, 65, 70 years before the Ramban. Maybe I'm off a little bit on this. I think about 60 years before the Ramban. I think so. You can look it up. I might be wrong on that. Anyway, um, let's talk about, uh, for tonight, the Ram- how does the Radak deal with the question of why people lived so long? Okay, that's where we started last week. So first of all, he gets into, and this is going to be very unpolitically correct. What does it mean that Adam has, uh, it says that he finally, after 130 years, uh, is moed b'tzalmenu b'tzalmo kedmuso. So what does that mean? Shes is, is, is that child that Adam spawns when he's 130. So the first thing he says is that Maybe he needed 130 years to do proper tshuva. After he does tshuva, he's a different person. Possibly. What does it mean, Bidmuso? It means that the children that were born to him, when he was 130, they looked like him. And what does Ketzalmo mean? They had a similar mindset to him. Why? Because Radak was a medievalist, and he felt that if a human being is still in a state of sin and is still in a lower mindset, his children will be that way. Therefore, he says, Adam he finally got better. Now, and when he got better, his kids were better. Now, what the, what the Radak is trying to tell us is that he was having children up until that point. But it was only Chase that represented Odom in his best in his best state. Now there is, of course, uh, a lot in Kabbalah and even in old Greek literature that the state of mind and the type of person you are at the moment of conception will yield a different child than at a different time in your life. And I believe in it as well. So it's not just a um, it, it's sort of an area where uh, you know uh, Plato sounds very Kabbalistic. Now, the Efsher, maybe the reason why it took Adam 130 years was because he was still a jerk. 
He was still a kid. He was still a nar. Ad chiyas yomov. Because up and you think about it, if a person can live to sort of a hundred, let's say, or hundred and twenty, so the first ten years he's sort of a, he's still like a teenager, still growing up. He was still like a child, and that's going to be. And then he mentions him as a mashiach, and therefore, whenever children he had up until that point, they were like Norin. The same way he was like a kid, the children he had were also childlike. But then, once he's past his naros, because he's already 130, so then he's already going to be Melwood showing. Now that's his own in, original shot. Then he says, if you look in Chazal, Chazal said that the people that were born before Chase, he Adam was benidui, meaning God was uh, put him in a band, a chayram. ruchin shaydin He gave birth to these to these, again, Halloween's coming up here, so spirits, ghosts, um, uh, Liliths, okay, which means, as the Chazal say, uh, and and the Radak points out, that he was giving, he was having kids, but they were not the right type of children. What does that mean that they were Shadim and Ruchim? What does that mean? So we all know the Zohar and other things say, that these were sort of like, this is where the demons come from. This is where they come from. They come from what Adam was doing for the first 130 years. There's this whole tradition that there was this other Eve, this other Chava. You've heard this before. That's the Lilith that he was having relations with. There's this whole, uh, there's this whole Zoharistic um, fable about what was going on. Now he's going to quote something which is very politically incorrect. And he says that you know what this means? God was cursing man during those years. And you know what it was? You'll see that the kids don't even look like him. Here's the politically incorrect stuff. I, I, I'm sorry for reading it. I'm not sorry for reading it. You should read politically incorrect stuff, but it is politically incorrect, and that just goes to show you. But let's see what he says. When a woman gives birth to a child that is somehow has a congenital defect and looks very strange, right? The the Gemara speaks about that they look like Lilith. What does that mean? It has wings, the child. The child is not going to live. The child is a terrible aborted fetus that looks like a monster. And therefore, Adamarishan, when he had those children, the children look strange, they looked strange, like like ghosts and, and, and demons in their ugliness of their faces and their backs. That's the Ruchas Roos. That's what Chazal mean. So he's cursed, so he had defective children, children with terrible birth defects. Those are the Ruchas Roos that are so bad, there's nothing good about them. And that's what people call, even in the time of the Radak in the Middle Ages, if somebody would be born and he'd be a, a miaskite, a not such a, uh, uh, it doesn't have to be the elephant man we're talking about, right? It could be just, I don't know, Carl Malden or Ernie Borgnine, you know what I'm saying? Even they, they would be called Royan and Shaden. Look how ugly they are. Now, then when God loved man or when man changed, now he's getting good looking kids. Ruach Tova, and now he gets Dmusov at Salmo. Okay.
Now, all of this is just a warm-up to where I want to end. Now, these that, that we now mention, Chase and the others, they were the ones who, just like Chase, were B'Tselm of Mus. The rest of them weren't that way. They were deformed in some way, perhaps, but also they were evil, and therefore they died in the flood. Now, the ones that are mentioned are the good kids, and they were the ones that lived long. So Efsher, now, did all these other ones live long? They're not the birth defect ones who had, a, who, who, had a, who had problems with their heart. What about the other ones that weren't so good? Did they live long? Here is the central question between the Ramban and the Rambam, right? What was the nature of things then? So, I'm not sure. The Radak in Provence, which was in between France and Germany and Spain, was on the fence between the Rambam and the Ramban. He lived in between them, and he was also philosophically between them. Maybe everybody was like that. Or maybe it was only the ones that were mentioned. In other words, maybe the Ramban is right, that everybody lived long. Or maybe the Rambam is right, and maybe only the ones mentioned lived long. Now, what's the reason why only the ones mentioned lived long? Okay, that's going to make you live hundreds of years less? I don't know, maybe. Maybe. The other possibility is God wants them to live longer. Why? The, Ram, the Rambam didn't have a good reason, really, did he? The way they, they, they know Jacqueline's diet, right? Kale, whatever it is, somehow, they, somehow they're better. We need these people to live long because they've got to be the ones who set the bedrock for wisdom in the world. Because Wisdom needs a tremendous amount of time and to put them in books. Because Av, you're right, as he says here, he's with the, uh, by the time Avram Avinu comes around, everyone's just going to live 70, 80 years. But how are they going to be smart? How are they going to know the, 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 about the planets? How are they going to know about the stars? How are they going to know the Yisotis the, the of physics and math? How are they going to know that? Because God is going to let these people live a long, long time, in order to become masters of wisdom. Because they're going to learn things based on observing things for hundreds of years. They need to live hundreds of years. Otherwise, they won't be able to chart the constellations. They won't be able to chart how the planets move. They won't be able to really get the laws of physics. Right? They, they're going to be the giants that everybody else stands on their shoulders. Why? Because... If they don't live long and don't write their books of wisdom that somehow get stored away in the Teva, right? They get stored away in the Ark and Noah brings them out and then the rest of these old men keep on working. These were these old monkish scholars that God in his will said in order to keep the planet to be a world of smart people, 
I've got to have these freaks of nature who are going to live so long that they could set the basis for human wisdom. Right? In other words, talk about understanding the world from your glasses. Here's the Radak in the Middle Ages saying, how could anybody ever become anything if you didn't have books that were written by ancient scholars from them to add to to understand stuff? So therefore, the reason why these people lived long is because God wants man to become a great philosopher, a great mathematician, a great uh, going beyond, a metaphysician. In order to do that, you need to have generation after generation of these long-lived people. If you don't have them, then you're not going to have a, a massive wisdom stored up. And that's how it happened. In other words, this is the secret of why mankind knows so much. How could it be that we know so much about the world and the world's only 5,700 years old? Because there were these, there were these long, there were these long lived people who wrote these, these tremendous tomes of wisdom and knowledge. And this, this, according to the Radak, is something which the Rambam doesn't say, but it could explain why these people were unique. Then he quotes, uh, the Rambam and Marinov. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.